I clutched my pearls the whole time I read this book. I'm like hooked. I was on the edge of my seat. I leaned forward. Five stars, baby. Welcome to Books in the City Pod. (laughs) Hello and welcome to another episode of Books in the City Podcast. I'm Becky. I'm Kayla. I'm Libby. And we are three friends who love to talk about books. And that's what we're going to do today. But before we do, this is your weekly reminder that we have merch. (laughs) (laughs) And you can buy it if you feel so compelled. Merch. It's cute. Especially the hat. It's a good conversation starter. Our sweatshirt that says, should we talk about books? When When I wear it, people come up to me and say like, yeah, we should talk about books. So... Let us know if My you have any weird encounters. My sweatshirt has gone missing. So oh, well, we'll get you another I'll one. go ahead and order from the merch store. <laughs> I don't think I've ever from worn Nordstrom. mine in public. The, the merch store. Oh, I thought you said Nordstrom. I was and like, and we're, we're in, in Nordstrom. Nordstrom. We are not in Nordstrom, but how cool would that be? That's our goal for It would be weird. It would be a weird place for a book podcast to be selling their merch. It would. Anyway, I think that's the only announcement we have. Oh, it's my 30th birthday. Oh. Hey, uh, <laughs> day of this episode release, so Happy I am over the hill. Happy birthday. Over the hill? No, that's, that's not till 40. I know. Come I on. I thought it was 50 was over the hill. Hey, nothing's over the hill unless you want it to be. Okay, I don't actually, I like have a f- false, for, first of all, it's January 21st, the time of recording, so this is not actually my 30th birthday, but this will be released on that day, and I don't. I have like a, oh my God, I'm going to be 30. Oh my God, in my head. But it, it's only in the sense of like, I feel like I should feel that way. Like I don't mm. actually, because I feel like every year, like things just get better and better. So yeah. like I have high hopes for my 30th year. It feels monumental because of society, but I don't know. But yeah, that's today. I think it's like one of those years when you're younger, you're like, oh, what will it yeah. be like then? But I always say like my mom lost both of her parents very young. Like she's now outlived both of them. And every birthday for her, she's always been like, I'm so lucky that I'm still here. Yeah. And like, I grew up always hearing that. And I now like when my friends are freaking out about our age, I'm like, we are so lucky, though, that we get to like enter this age. Like, 30s is a fun new adventure. I can't wait to be 30. I'm loving it so far. Yeah. I feel like it's it's all silly to be like oh you're so old at 30 but I do like certain things I'm like oh I feel very behind on that and then other things I'm like there's lots of things to come Mm. like when I look at like my boss who just had a baby she's no hate to her she's much older than 30 she has had a baby kind of later in life I don't exactly know how old she is but I (laughs) I do not I do know she's out of her 30s um and looking at her, I'm like, wow, I have so much more life ahead of me, like even yeah. like going into 30. So anyway, that's all I have to say about that. For sure. So like I said before, Emily has gifted me the fish. Um, I'm the only person who cares about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say this every episode. Um, so they want to know today, if you could have a lifetime supply of anything, what would it be? Can I go first? Yeah. This Whoa. is timely and you guys will understand because I'm out of toilet paper. <laughs> and I would say toilet paper because it's so fucking annoying when you go in and realize. And I was like, I don't feel like leaving the house today. So now yeah. we're using tissues. You just <laughs> never have to worry. I also have extreme anxiety about running out of things because it's I grew up in a house where like my mom does not have that. So there will be like no milk or whatever. And she's like, oh, 
okay. And then like, you'll go to like make your coffee and there's no milk. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Now like my whole day is ruined. So when I see things get low, I, it has to go on my list right away. So I could just not have to think about toilet paper. The next time there's a pandemic, I'll be sad. <laughs> and yeah, toilet paper. That's the answer. Okay. That's a good answer. I have one too. Can I go next? Yeah. <clears throat> um, lotion. I, for some reason, I guess if I was being like broad, it would be like any kind of toiletry type of thing. Like I hate, yeah. you can see like your bar of soap getting smaller and smaller, but just in the moment, it's really hard to remember to like get it and it's the same thing you're saying of like but yeah for some reason lotion like with the soap or the shampoo or whatever there's always like an extra body wash or something in there that you can like use in the meantime but if I don't have lotion I'm like using face lotion on my body or something and my skin feels like gross and tight and off the whole day and I, I hate that feeling yeah and for some reason it's such a draining task to go a block away to the Dwayne Reed where everything is behind oh, a lock. Oh, thank you. And you have it pisses me off so much. I don't know if I this know. is all over the it's world. Not. It's uh. just in places in where New York, a lot of homeless. It's Deodorant really is behind it's everything. a thing. It's you everything. know, recently I was at Target because it wasn't that recently. But when I went to Firefly in September, I like hurt my Achilles. So I was like at the podiatrist and shit. And he was like, you need to get this specific cream. So I go to Target and... It's in like the glass thing, which everything is in the glass thing, thing in New York. It, they don't have the key. So they couldn't get it open. So I couldn't get it. And I was like, can we just break the glass? That's <laughs> like, like you'll, you work here. You'll ring. Either nobody's coming or truly one time at Target, like there was somebody in the next aisle. I rang it. It's like the announcement. Somebody's supposed to be coming. Nobody's coming for like five minutes. So I'm like wander around and there's somebody in the next yeah. aisle. And I'm like, hey, could I get help? And that it's just, it, everyone is mad about it. Every employee, me, everyone's mad. Yeah. I and feel really a- upset about that. And the first place that I really saw it, like, on everything was in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. In an area where there was a lot of homeless. And I realized that that's the reason. And then my blood just boils because I'm like, the Walgreens Corporation can stand the loss prevention, like, loss yeah. amount of a homeless person stealing toothpaste, a toothbrush, deodorant, and soap. Well, like, and I don't even think that's often like the issue. I, yeah, I mean, I'm like, whatever. There's what other reason st- would you need to put statistics. a toothbrush behind right. the glass? Right. Who needs a toothbrush so, like anybody that needs a toothbrush so bad that they're willing to steal it, that's not something you steal to sell to get money. Yeah. You steal a toothbrush because you need a toothbrush desperately. Like give them a toothbrush. Well, and now I don't I don't buy any toiletries in New York City. When I do when I go to Suburban Target, if I need deodorant or something, I'll literally get it there and bring it back or not to plug Amazon. But I order it all on Amazon now because I'm like, definitely don't do that. Amazon. And it's not because of the corporation, but they sell a lot of expired products. Well, I can look at it and see if it's expired or not. But like it is so frustrating to me to have to like go in and then not be able to grab what you need. Yeah. So I just I don't buy from their stores anymore. Yeah, so that's why my answer is lotion. Yeah. I know there are worse problems to have, but it is something that like grinds my gears. And just recently I had to replace my lotion, so it's top of mind. But Lifetime Supply would be wonderful of that. I like really don't know what my answer is because at first... Yeah, or I like money. <laughs> yeah, well, money, money doesn't... You can't say money because the question is more about like what would you buy with that money? Like what would be the item that you would want to have a lifetime supply of money for? 
But with that kind of like stipulation in mind, my first thing, which is sunshine. <laughs> oh, that's a goes good away. one. And like sunshine, not because I want sunny days all the time, but because I want to pick and choose when I have sunny days. <laughs> but then yeah. that's like not the right question. Like not, not the right answer. <laughs> if it was question. like a fantasy. Yeah. If it's an item that I have to purchase like and have a lifetime supply of. I think I'm just going to say like lemons and or lemon juice because when I run out of that, I get really like annoyed. Yeah. That makes sense because you put it in your water every day, I put day, it in right? my water every day, yeah. which my dentist isn't happy about, but that's <laughs> fine. It's like wearing the enamel down yeah. or... Uh. But I just love water with lemon <laughs> and I can drink water without it, but it just makes me happy to have it in there. So This is also clearly stuff that's like basic but so irritating when you don't have yeah. and can like ruin your day yeah it doesn't it i just get bummed when i don't have lemon juice i it's, hate the feeling when you I, can't put lotion on if i don't have <laughs> if my hands are dry i feel like i can't breathe like just thinking about yeah. having dry hands like is making me like feel one like time closing. i was putting sunscreen as moisturizer <laughs> because that's it, like the moisture. alternative i have eczema too and like it's bad it's yeah bad. but you know what i actually learned like Tr- not wearing lotion has been helping my eczema oh could not help mine you should try it i don't know about that Ooh, mm. let's well, move on i feel like we need lotion right now everybody <laughs> needs a lifetime supply of lotion lemons and toilet paper lemons <laughs> or and lemon you know what lemons <laughs> that very versatile thing yeah water you could use them for cleaning you can make spritz uh, pie yeah <laughs> this is a house of oc reference seven lemons in a bowl Someone listening will understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. All right. Should we talk about books? We should. Okay. I'm up first, and I'm going to talk about The Social Climber by Amanda Pellegrino. It came out this January, and I could not put the bigger a bigger content warning on a book if I ever. Wow. It's like the main character ha- is bulimic. And it is, I literally dropped two stars off my rating because it's like every couple pages, a graphic depiction of this eating disorder. And it took away from the book. Like I understand that like her trauma that caused her to have this eating disorder is sort of a main plot point, but it would be like very graphic explanations of her the act of like binging and all of that and like her thought process and her like feelings behind it every like every chapter trauma porn yes to a point where i was like this is like not gonna like like i almost was like i don't know if i can read this because it was just so upsetting and so often but yes but if you are struggling with an eating disorder don't read this book um right when you first said that i thought right away of Jeanette McCurdy's memoir because like when I covered it on here I said it it was so upsetting but I think it, there is a difference when it's like this is someone telling their Jeanette was sharing her yeah. story and I don't know what the author's story is there wasn't an author's note or anything like that because I had an arc um but if if that is something that she needed to write for herself like I think she should feel empowered to do so, but just keep it in mind before you go into this book. It's upsetting. And do it's, you think, cause I want to read this, like, could I just skip over those paragraphs? It's the whole, like, I can't even, it's a lot. It's a lot. Wow. It's like a main thing. 
So anyway, let me just get into it and you can judge from there. <laughs> so also this, there's a TV show comparison that I have in my head for this book, but I can't tell you what it is because it'll ruin the whole twist. I oh, have damn. an idea just based on the cover, but we'll okay. see. Um, and with the, that being said, I think it's going to be really hard for me to talk about this, but the main character is Eliza. And when the book opens right away, you learn about her eating disorder because it starts with her. Like, honestly, the content warning is also for my description. Like, skip over it. We'll put the, the timestamps are in the notes. But anyway, Damn. it starts out and lot. she's like in a hot yoga class and then she's like running back to her apartment and like she's talking about counting calories and like how skinny she is for her wedding because she's about to get married. Um, and in the beginning, she like gets a call from the New York Times and they're going to cover the wedding. She's marrying Ooh. a very wealthy man and she's like very excited about it. So that's the first glimpse you get of Eliza. Then... Every, so every other chapter flashes between her current day preparing for this wedding and her past, the before time, basically. And so in that time, Eliza is known as Elizabeth, and she's this very sheltered, homeschooled girl raised in like a very culty, oh. evangelical environment. Shout out. And she is secretly super like at as a child she's like super desperate to learn about the outside world like she goes with her mom to the grocery store and it's her first time being outside of like the farm that she grew up on like she never left like very sheltered and when I say culty they weren't in a cult it was just like very zealous evangelicals like as conservative as conservative as it gets um so she was homeschooled. She never left. She goes with her mom to the grocery store and she sees like Cosmopolitan magazine and like those all those, you know, magazines for young women in the checkout line. Her mom like has to go get lemon or lemonade. I almost said lemon juice <laughs> <laughs> and leaves leaves Elizabeth there. And so Elizabeth starts to like steal the magazines. And so this becomes a ritual where she starts to steal like the Cosmo. And that is how she like learns about the world. And so everything that Cosmo is telling her she's absorbing this this is her education because she doesn't have friends outside of her brothers mm -hmm. she doesn't like know anything other than going to the grocery store so one like her plan is to get out of her parents grasp and like this whole world so she convinces her parents to let her go to college and she chooses the only college that she knows that her parents will allow her to go to which is called Covenant University and so wait that's not a thing well i don't think so but oh what i was gonna say is for those that don't know i went to a really small christian college my first year of school and so like i know about all the different really small christian colleges uh for the most part and when i read this i was like that's about liberty university 100 percent. this is liberty university because like I knew people that went to Liberty, like there were separate crosswalks for men and women. Like, Wait, is that the one I watched a Netflix documentary a few months ago where like the president of it and his wife were having an affair with yes. the pool boy? I'm pretty sure that was Liberty. Yes. Ooh. And then when they got into the stuff about the school, I was like, how is this is real? There's like strict curfews and stuff like this. I don't know. Like, I want to say that this book is definitely an exaggeration of a school like Liberty. I don't want to like have the Liberty people after me. Please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but this school in the book covenant is strict beyond belief to the point where it's like you, you really realize this is where her eating disorder starts because they have this belief of like your body is a temple and they require 
the girls to do a public weigh-in on <gasps> their dorm floor by the RA. Yeah. What does it? What is are they supposed to be like perfect? Yes, and it's like they get. Po- there's a point system. So like if you're, if you are in past curfew, or like if you're making noise in your room past curfew, there's a point publicly on your door like against you, and like you get a notice explaining everything you did wrong, and everybody can see it. Um, and you get points against you if you're not losing enough weight to become the weight that is like the goal weight of all the girls on the floor. And they the all girls have all the, the same, same weight. It's yeah, like. And it's not good. Like if you're not the prescribed oh. level of skinny, you're not holy enough or whatever. You're not like treating your body like a temple. It's so is messed up. Is that a up. thing in religious? No. I, I think Mormon is like that though. I don't know anything about that. So I'm not going to say, but I know like the school I went to was definitely not strict. Like we didn't have a curfew. You know have a weigh in? We didn't have a weigh in. <laughs> we did not. There, It was a dry campus, but like, Obviously, most people like most people, is a dry campus, right? Like in most the middle of Manhattan, because you're usually pretty <laughs> underage. Yeah. So like, you you would get in trouble if you threw a party mm-hmm. at my school, but it wasn't in this anywhere near this. I do know Liberty's a lot stricter with like curfews and rules about what you can wear and what you can do. But this is crazy. I've never heard anything like this, so I was like riveted by that. So. Elizabeth's roommate is this girl named Ruthie and Ruthie is somebody who was sent to school because her like stepdad was like you're a terrible kid you need to go be like reformed basically so Ruthie is of the world and so Elizabeth is like you are now my best friend I'm going to emulate everything you do because I want to be of the world basically and so Ruthie's mission is to find the kids at Covenant who are like gonna have the parties and sneak out and so like together they kind of join forces and figure out like by reading all the notices of like people's like you know got in trouble for figuring out how to do those things without getting caught basically wait i also bet growing up reading just cosmo that does a number for you too yeah Mm -hmm. so like i said the book switches back and forth between her wedding prep and this past. And obviously I found the past way more interesting. There is a point where things start to, from her past start to catch up to her in her current life. And that is all I can say. I gave it three stars because of the excessiveness of the bulimic storyline. I hundred percent understand why it was in there for the story but I also feel like if it wasn't there to the extent it was the book would have been just as strong because Hmm. what happens later is like can't put it down but you don't it's really dark to read that like every time she has a stressful thing which is all the time she's going into this dark place and you're in her head as she's like binging and then like the shame she feels after and like graphic description graphic mm-hmm. like i can't explain but i yeah, want to read this but i want i don't want to read i'm gonna have to do it on like a good mental health week I yeah think. definitely i think anybody like yeah and like to be honest i like during the holidays ate a ton and i was feeling i call it squishy I was feeling squishy and when I was reading this I was like starting to feel bad about myself and I was like I don't I don't think I deal with this kind of 
issue. But now I'm reading this and I'm getting upset. So just like make sure you are of sound mind, not even sound mind because it's not a not unsound mind. But But like also if you're in recovery, maybe. Yeah. If you're make sure you're in a good mental place and don't read this if it's going to if you know it's going to be upsetting. But yeah, three stars. It's called. Well, so if that wasn't in it, you would have given it five stars. I think I would have probably given it like five and a half or four and a half. Wow. If if it was less of that, it would have been a really, really good book. Yeah. But like I'm that intrigued. really took away from it. It really did. Interesting. That's um, it. I mean, yeah. Also, to your point, the gratuit, like over and over and over. It's like, okay. Yeah. Every yeah. other page. Like, I don't know. If you're establishing that that's like something she's dealing with. I wonder if like the author. Yeah is in recovery and this was like a therapeutic way i don't i don't know i don't also feel like people in recovery are very careful about that's true too that like very intentionally uh, i don't know but it was upsetting (laughs) yeah Yeah. like if you if anybody reads it i want your take like i don't know maybe i'm just overly sense i don't think i am like it was a lot i think but being a woman in the world i think no I mean I have some food issues so I'm like yeah more prone to be like oh this would probably make me not want to eat but like yes I think existing in this society as a woman we all like have so much pressure like that so reading something like this it doesn't give you permission but it if you're in like a bad or vulnerable place it could like yeah make you slip something yeah. off yeah wow and i'll say offline some more opinions i don't want to say on the podcast because they're sort of i am gonna read though so we can talk well you can tell me yeah well anyway that was the social climber by amanda pellegrino it was uh quite something uh kayla what did you read all right so as i said on a previous episode i'm i only write bullet point notes now and this is one where i i probably should have like flushed out based on the last one though i couldn't tell a difference oh, between yeah? i don't know yeah i was just making stuff up as i went yeah. i don't well think, i feel i feel like you've always been very good at like getting your point across thank you okay so i read the librarian of burn books by brianna lubskis and this comes out tomorrow on february 21st oh hey so um this book was sent to us and immediately I was like like immediately yes this is a book for me and even reading it like this is such a Kayla book honestly it combines so many things that I love about historical fiction and like this is a World War II book so specifically that but just like things about like other historical fiction like all these elements that I love like it was all in this book um and it is also very much a book for book lovers I I don't underline but sometimes I'll take pictures of quotes and there was like three different passages where I like took pictures of because I was like oh I'm gonna want to like look back and it was like talking about like just books and like I mean if you're listening to this podcast you obviously understand like the impact books can have on your life and also this is a book about books during leading up to and during World War II and like reading about like I mean, it's called burn books. So like the book burnings in Germany come up, like just the power of books. Like, I don't know. It was just like as a book lover, like um, you would appreciate that. So, okay, this I my bullet point is kind of confusing. So there's three main girls. And I think the easiest way to tell you about this book is just give you a rundown on each girl. So we start with Althea in 1933 and we're in Berlin and she is from this like rural 
town in Maine and she always like wrote stories for the local newspaper and her brother owns like um I guess it's like a bed and breakfast but it's like he owns like the town pub and there's like a room above it that you can rent so I don't know why I'm out of breath so um <laughs> I feel like I'm out of breath from my book I don't know this is a workout <laughs> there's too much going on yeah so um she writes like this serialized mystery series I guess for the local newspaper and her brother always keeps copies of it in the room above the pub and one day this like book editor is staying in the room and reads them and he's like oh my god signs her her life changes and then she writes this novel that it was like a nationwide success like she's very successful now and she gets reached out to by Joseph Goebbels who was like a high up Nazi before this is 1933 though so it's before the war started so the Nazis were and they did do this like recruiting it was kind of like a birthright program so like her either parents or grandparents were German immigrants so they were like oh you're a successful German American like come over here and they would kind of like brainwash them and like show them how great the Nazis were so that way she would go back to America and now she's this prominent figure and like spread the good word about the Nazis like that's what they were trying to do Hmm. so she is over there and she falls for it and honestly I don't blame her at first because like there's no social media like she's only getting the news that they're seeing she has a Nazi handler he's like this gorgeous obviously blonde guy and they have like a little fling and she is only they're putting on a show for her obviously and she's only seeing these good things and like she's there the night that Hitler gets elected as chancellor and like she goes to like this celebration for it and she's like saying she got so caught up in like the patriotism and like the hoopla over it and all but then she meets these people who are actually working in like a resistance network and they show her what's actually going on and she obviously like comes to her senses um so it was actually like I really liked her chapters because it was so interesting to see like it's very easy to see how she fell for like the Nazi machine but then also her like coming to and then she like she feels so much shame that like she was celebrating Hitler's win and she was like how did I let myself get so caught up in this thing which like is a thing that happens Mm -hmm. and she's there in Berlin like during the book burnings and that was like a very pivotal moment for her and she's like whatever so then it's not whatever but that's me moving on <laughs> so transition yeah transition so then the second girl is Hannah and she is in Paris in 1936 and she is a Jewish woman who fled Paris uh, who fled Berlin for Paris and you know that there were like you know that her brother is in a camp, but it's also 1936, so it's still, like, early in the war. Um, like, you know that there was, like, a big thing that happened. I mean, we all know what it was. It's World War II. That made her leave, though, and then she is working. There's, like, this Jewish library in Paris, and she's working there, and they're trying to, like, spread the word in Paris about, like, because the Nazis are also over there like doing propaganda for them. This was before they had control of Paris. And they're trying to like say like 
something is coming like Hannah and her resistance friends are like a war is coming and like people don't want to believe it so they're kind of trying to like prep people and get ready and then oh her timeline it was like it, it, it they were all so good I don't think I have a favorite but she has like that's impressive her past catches up with her and there's like people that come back and like literally I was like set out like oh shit at one point like something happens and I was like oh like this is good and then we have Vivian and she goes by Viv and we're in New York for hers in 1944 and she works for this committee I I don't remember the name obviously um but it was this real committee that I never thought about uh, that they were in charge with sending books over to the soldiers and she gets these letters back from soldiers talking about like this one letter the guy was like my friend from California like they gave him a nickname or something because she even says like they probably didn't even know his real name but like he'll live on in their stories as like whatever the nickname was and he was reading I think it was like Tom Sawyer's Island or something like that like around a campfire one night and like laughing and smiling and like getting all the other guys to want to read it and then like the next morning he was shot and killed Mm -hmm. and they were like thank you for like giving my friend such a happy last night and then like they're getting these letters back like these books the only thing that are like getting these soldiers through the war they talk about Gatsby how it had like a big popularity boost during the war because that was sent over to the soldiers and they were reading that but at the same time there's a politician in New York who is trying to censor the books and what can get out and they're like cutting like more than half of the books that'll get to the soldiers and she goes on this like she's a very she's she's from a wealthy family and she's married into like a wealthier family so she has like a bit of power in New York and she's literally like she shows up one night while the well the politician is at a steakhouse and confronts him right there about it and like she starts organizing then this it's not a rally it's like an event and like to like trick the politician there basically to like get the newspapers to pressure him to like revoke the censorship law and this is where all three women combine all the storylines combined in new york in 1944 something with this Mm. event and it was so interesting to like i've read so many books about each one of these women's stories could have just been one single book. She did a really great job of like fleshing these characters out in like, it's probably like a little over 300 pages. Like you're not reading like a 600 page book, but it felt like you got their full stories, but also to read in one book, these three, like in Vivian's in 44, like it's D-Day. And then you're reading about that too. So like these three pivotal points in this like, time period and then all of their stories it was just like like I loved it so much I wasn't ever like oh I can't wait to get back to this person's chapters because every chapter it was just this compelling and interesting and important story being told and like like I just loved it and Vivian also had like a really great love interest and I was also like into the romance bit of it um and yeah and I like the last point I just said like what I mentioned with Althea like and even the censorship like obviously you know like banning books is not they still do that like it really raised the point that I think like you can see how we got to this point and you could see how unfortunately it could happen again and like the importance of 
people like Vivian like fighting off these censorship laws and things like that and like why it's important to like be in tune with what's going on and fight against it because obviously like we don't want to go back to that so I loved it I gave it four stars like if I did half stars it probably would have been a 4.5 um yeah I loved it and it comes out tomorrow so definitely pick it up and that is the librarian of burned books by Brianna Lepskis Hmm. I thought you were gonna say five stars yeah I don't know why I like I said like last year I just got so strict with what gets five stars that's fair (sighs) Libby take us home okay (laughs) I also actually read historical fiction about world war ii oh, but wow. historical fiction is shocking i know it was ri- it's this makes more sense it's historical fiction that was written in 1970 so it's oh. like that kind of interesting like when it was written it was only 25 years yeah ago so that's like kind oh, of fun. that's crazy to think about i know like i think sometimes we forget about like history <laughs> in the, in the yeah. sense of like well the time 25 years yeah in 1970 well, was that considered historical fiction then though it was probably just hitting that i mean think now like i would consider the 90s historical yeah. fiction right book about the 90s yeah. is i like, feel like that's hard for me to stomach but you're probably right no yeah. i think so i don't know no it's wild to think i think like would you say it's fair that uh, if somebody wrote a book about like 9 11 that would be historical fiction yeah i was just gonna say the book mm. I'm looking on my shelf because I can't remember the title. It's in with my historical fiction, the something of Cassidy Holmes that I covered here on on here in oh, 2020. Yeah. It's about a like early a 2000s. 2000s girl group. I put that in historical fiction oh, yeah. stocks. Yeah. So yeah. So this Crazy. is historical for us and historical fiction <laughs> for when it came out, but it's also been recent, somewhat recently translated into English. This is um, by a Hungarian author named. Did I even say what it's called? It's called Abigail by Magda Sabo. Um, She's a Hungarian author who I think had popularity in Hungary. And it wasn't until like semi-recently that she was finally translated into English. So she's kind of like having a moment that the New York Review of Books, which is like a distinct, um, I feel like you'd recognize a cover, but they, they publish like usually this kind of, translated and kind of like obscure like maybe historical books that didn't get like I don't know they're reprinting them for the first time or that kind of thing so anyway so at the beginning of this book there's this helpful author's note or note from the translator I guess about like it just gives some more context for Hungary during this time like um I think the book is set in 1943 um And I guess this kind of gets into the plot of the book. Let me just tell you the plot of the book. So (laughs) uh, the main character is this girl named Gina Vitae. Vitae. Um, She is 15 years old. She's grown up all of her life in Budapest. And her dad is a general. But And she lost her mom at kind of a young age. So it's really like her and her dad against the world. Like thick as thieves. They had a really cute relationship um but at the beginning of the book all of a sudden she feels like her life is like being ruined and upended because first of all she had this um french nanny who had to leave uh 
like live in, you know, nanny, but had to leave because of the war. And so that's just for a 15 year old girl. She was like, that was my friend and my like, how could you do that? And then the other very upsetting thing to her is that her father, with no explanation, is sending her away to this very conservative, like religious not Calvinist, I guess is what, how it's explained in the book, but just like a religious institution way outside of Budapest, like in the Hungarian Eastern countryside. Um, It's called the Matula girls boarding school. And she, you know, this is like a girl from the city. She's used to like culture and she's got like wealth and she's kind of used to being in on her dad's life and things like that. But all of a sudden he's just like up and sending her away. And she's like, you're ruining everything. What is this? So she assumes her dad's remarrying and is like, doesn't know how to tell her. And it turns out you find out later that he's sending her to the school for her own protection because he's a general who's like kind of higher up in the army. And there's all of this propaganda flying around that, you know, like they're doing great winning the war, resisting German occupation, all of that. But in actuality, um, Hungary is not doing well on that front and so her dad he knows that I mean he's like higher up in the military and he's seeing people around him like having these kind of like blackmail situations or like hot hostage situations of oh. just like people in their family being used against them to get military secrets and like trading it so he all he has in the world is his daughter Gina and he's like you, she needs to go away. This is like the one place nobody would find her. And the institution itself is strict enough that like he knows she would be protected there. So it's final and he's sending her away. And it's like just funny because you know from his perspective, I guess at the beginning of the book, you don't really understand why he's doing it until later. But from her perspective, it's just like, I can't believe like you're ruining my life. And it's just <laughs> like a funny like girl you're gonna die a terrible death unless like you're he's doing this for you and that kind of thing so anyway most of the book then is set at the matula boarding school and it's like the whole book weirdly kind of feels like this warm hug because it's like she's and also on the back of the book there's comparisons to harry potter which i was like what but then when you're reading it it is like this girl at this school like figuring out how to fit in like learning their weird traditions kind of like Harry Potter's like this exists and you're just like thrown into this whole world um and it's all just these like 15 year old girls and so like she gets there and it's so strict in the uniform and she's not allowed to have you know her like rouge and like things she's used to and she's like this is like the end of my life as I know it But then eventually starts talking to the girls and realizes there's like little rebellions happening around the school. So it's like that fun, like shenanigans vibe of like all these crazy rules. But like, how are we all working to get around it? So that was fun. Um, She eventually learns about this belief that all the girls have in this figure named Abigail, which that's the title of the book. Um, so Abigail is a statue in the garden and all the girls at the school believe that she helps them like in their times of desperation and need. 
so Gina's like, you guys are insane. Like, again, very above it all. Like, I'm from Budapest. You're all country bumpkins. Like, this is crazy. But then something happens. I'm not going to get into details where she does find herself needing Abigail's help. And Abigail comes through and, like, leaves this letter for her explaining, like, this is what I did. You need to be careful about this. But, like, it's a statue. So the through line of the book is the mystery of, like, who is Abigail, which was interesting. Interesting. I thought it easy to guess, but I still enjoyed the read. Like, I think it was just, like, a fun uh, mystery throughout the book. But then the real, like, interesting meat of the story, too, is, like, what's going on with the war, but told through this kind of spoiled, displaced 15-year-old girl. And, like, she's a brat, but very lovable. And then eventually she kind of realizes some things about like the situation her father's in and and um, there's also things happening around the school where somebody's like breaking in and papering like, you know, resistance newspapers like at the train station where all the girls are going to be before a trip. And she's like, it's just this like shock to the system to these girls who are told like everything is going great. The soldiers are doing a great job and they'll be home soon when that's like it becomes clear obviously just a huge lie um so yeah like the the little like political side stories that at first are just kind of like Gina is able to ignore eventually become unignorable as she kind of like learns more about why she's there and and kind of as Abigail like helps her out with various like interpersonal problems so it was really sweet. I was a big fan. Um, I have another book by this author. I've had it forever that I just haven't picked up. I don't know why. But now I really want to. I feel like sometimes with older books, I worry about like not, um, I don't know, you know, readability or something mm-hmm. where you're just mm-hmm. like, this might be a tougher read because it was written like yeah. 50 years ago. Or like it might be really tone deaf. Yeah, but it, it very much felt like a contemporary, like, story of World War Two. Mm. It was, I, I loved how all the characters were written, the, like, sweet friendships between these girls who were, like, finding little ways to rebel and just be, like, you know, like, girls growing up in a war-torn country. Um, I wonder if stories about boarding schools feel as cozy (laughs) to people in countries where going to boarding school is really common as it does for Americans yeah and I think it's funny because like half of the time you're threatened to go to boarding school if you're a bad kid (laughs) yeah and then you read all the bad kid school and there is like wow this building that was just probably like an office building and if we drove by it they'd be like we're gonna drop you off there and you go and <laughs> knock it off. Damn. Meanwhile, yeah. in Europe, it's like super common. Well, Emily always talks about this with Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think most Americans reading it, I also read those books when I was 22, and I still was like, oh, I didn't realize this was a common thing. Like, uh, is it prefix or? Yeah, prefix right? and yeah. the houses. Yeah, the houses and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not a thing for us. So I can't imagine, like, an American kid reading those books versus like an English kid, it probably is a little bit, I feel like cooler almost. Cause it's like, Oh, what if my school was like this? Yeah. Like my school is not like that. Well, yeah, I guess when she was in Budapest, she didn't go, 
she was just in like a school, you know, yeah, for like, the daytime type yeah. of thing. So I yeah. wonder if it is maybe like less common in the hearts of cities or something. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, though. Um, I want to read that. Yeah. How many yeah, stars? Yeah, it's good. Um, I'm pretty sure four. Okay. Yeah, four. Um, yeah, it's like cozy, sweet also mysterious a little magical because it's like is this statue like what does this represent is it a real you know like just figuring out that kind of like very i would say light magic but just Mm. kind of you know like what's going on with the statue so when you're like that young like you believe in things like that's so hard right yeah that's fun and then it's fun to also see that through a very outsider's eye of just like, you all are nuts. Yeah. Like, get over yourselves. But then she has a lot to learn as well. So, like, seeing everyone grow was really good. Um, So, yeah, that was called Abigail by Magda Sabo. What's and on your TBR? I guess I'll say The Door by Magda Sabo. Because <laughs> nice. I do want to definitely keep reading her. Nice. Becky, what's on your TBR? A Promised Land by Barack Obama, which I <laughs> oh, mentioned hey. a few a small, episodes ago. A small author, indie. Yeah, you may indie have author. never heard of this guy. His <laughs> debut, probably. I saw a funny like clip of him on Jimmy Fallon, and I don't know when it was, but Jimmy Fallon talking about how he first met Barack Obama at like a White House barbecue where he was opening for like Radiohead or something as like doing like a comedy set and like he went in like a three-piece suit and it was like the 4th of July and he was like sweating profusely and Barack, Barack was doing comma no 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 Jimmy Fallon oh. and he was like sweating and then like he went up to meet Obama and he was like nervous and Obama's like didn't you get the memo it's a barbecue and he's <laughs> like Barack Obama is in shorts and a t-shirt <laughs> anyway go That's ahead cute. <laughs> what's on your TBR okay I'm gonna read next ship home by Heather Webb and I Oh. freaking hope friend of the podcast Haley's bookshelf is listening to this because she told me to read this book I think in 2022 and I was like every book she has recommended me is a hit so like because she messaged oh, me I'm like I already owned it I was like I'm gonna read it and then she put it was in her top books I'm pretty sure it was like in her top books posted 2022 and I was like I'm gonna read it and she was like I'll believe it when I see it <laughs> so challenge accepted like <laughs> I am reading this book nice. this is the year yeah it's gonna happen Funny. where are you guys online I'm at sleep run read repeat I'm at Becky in the bookshelves I am at Karen what and you can find all of us at books in the city pod make sure you're posting and tagging us if you read something we inspired you to read follow us oh i haven't said this on any episode lately but follow subscribe whatever it is you have to do on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and head to the website booksinthecitypod.com for everything else thank you for listening thank you bye, bye. Happy birthday, Becky. thank you <laughs>